Broadcasting live from the Zimmer Communications World Headquarters. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get ready, pal. Wake Up Mid-Missouri, 93.9 The Eagle, 950 KWS. I'm John Marsh. Casey Burns in with us this morning. NFIB Missouri Chapters, Brad Jones. Producer Hannah, Brian Housworth all along, and on the phone with us, our buddy from the Missouri Times, Scott Vaughn. Scott, good morning. Good morning, sir. I hope you had a good weekend. Yeah, lots of football, so it's all good in the hood. <laughs> <laughs> cotton Bowl. How about that? I like that Cotton Bowl. That's, that's, a, that's a throwback to the old days, right? Yeah, what, 10 years ago or so was the last time Mizzou uh, made, a, made a bowl appearance down in Dallas and all, and I was kind of surprised. Well, I, you know, I heard Peach Bowl, I heard uh, different ones, but the Cotton Bowl, that kind of takes us back to those big 12 days and um, of back in the day. And I think it's going to be a fun uh, a fun bowl game. Ohio State's a good good national program. Uh, just got punched in the face, so maybe they're down and disappointed, and we'll catch them right, and we'll, we'll give them a good licking. At least we don't have Texas down there. I mean, that would have been – I was like, that's, that's going to be a home game. Please don't put Texas in Dallas. That's going to – no. So, Ohio State, that's 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 big – that's all cotton for us, man. I'm really proud of the way we've played this year. It's been fun. Scott, I think what – I think what what people are more concerned about listening to this in re, in regards to the bowl game is: Are you taking me to to Dallas in December to to escape the Missouri weather? Have you booked those tickets yet? That's that's the more important question this morning. Well, I haven't booked those tickets yet. I have a long list of other things you've got me doing. But when I get those done, yes, I'll be taking you to Dallas. If you but when you finish your chores this morning, put that put that next on the list, would you? Yes, ma'am. Scott, talk to us. We saw 800 and some bills pre-filed on, on Friday here and all. Ambitious, whatever. We've talked to you so much over the past few years about election year politics and all. Can they get 870 of them across the finish line? Well, I, you know, a lot of them are meant to hopefully get John Marsh to talk about them, right? Yeah. Uh, that's the point they were filed. Some of them are – most people – uh, you have serious folks. Then you have your House members that want attention. You have your senators that are running for higher office. You got to take House member bills. There's your Dan Houses that are serious people. Then there's your other people that are just kind of creations of like a Facebook account that's come to life. Uh, they file things just to get attention, and none of them are relevant to anybody except trying to get likes on Facebook. The modern Republican Party is the greatest collection of whiners I've ever really seen in modern life. So they probably have a very good list of why you should be mad and why it should never be your own fault. Uh, some of the stuff will get done, though. I think there's there's several things that have a good chance to get done. I don't I don't I don't prescribe the doom and gloom totally of the election year politics. I think sometimes election year, um, especially the last year of a governor's administration, gives you a chance to do some some things you might not have been able to do otherwise. Uh if you look around there's a big regulatory issue. The public service commission I, I think Cindy O'Loughlin has put her sights on them after uh you're gonna see your at some point they'll get around to mid Missouri. But Kansas City is seeing their electric bill skyrocket because of some program meant to quote unquote help consumers. Um, I, I think you're going to see that PSC either reform or you're going to see some major, major changes next year. 
so I think this year they'll get they'll get in and want to do some moderate changes and some things. Basically, to um, they'll take a pinprick to save themselves from the axe. Missouri Times, Scott Fawn with us this morning on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. John, thank you. And Scott, we appreciate you joining us live officially in the House website. They're saying 343 bills were pre-filed on, on Friday. But again, not all those have been calculated. There are more that are probably still in the in the hopper that just have to be uh, calculated, if you will. But regardless, obviously a big amount. I'm intrigued by this bill, um, Scott. House Bill 1445, sponsored by Representative Jamie Johnson, who's a Democrat from up in Platte County in the Kansas City area. I'm already pessimistic about his change of the past. Yeah, well, it, I'm, I'm intrigued by it because her bill, Scott, would create a new state holiday for Election Day. And second part of the bill, it would require colleges and universities to close unless used as a polling place. Does that have any chance? No, God, no. I mean, George Washington found time in his day to go vote. I, I tend to think little freshman Georgie at Mizzou can find time to go vote. Uh, you know, I, 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 I get it. You know, if you're a Democrat, you want the more people. Generally, the more people that vote, the better it is for Democrats. Fewer people that vote, they're old white guys like uh, like myself, the better for Republicans. So, but no, I don't think there's any chance of passing. I think that's, in person, I think that's just silly. Figure it out, right? Uh, folks have been figuring out a way to vote for a long time. I, I really like, especially in the cities. Uh, I don't spend a lot of my day worrying about the cities, but but Casey spends a lot of time in the city. She can tell you. The fact is, in the city, it, I don't want to say it's disenfranchising. I used to roll my eyes when people would say that, but the lines to vote in the cities does make it prohibitive for working people to vote. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> if you know, if, if you vote in downtown Jeff City, you might lose your whole lunch hour for it, right? Or you might get home later, you might miss happy hour to vote. The fact of the matter is in the city, those lines are so long, it does mean working people can't vote. It does for Republican turnouts. And let's be honest, when we talk about election law, the only thing either party cares about is what advantages their voters. But the fact is, you go in St. Louis especially, in St. Louis County too, it, it, those lines are so long, a working person cannot get out and vote. And I think the legislature owes the public to do something about that. That hurts Republicans, too. Hey, Scott, speaking of the cities, which we know you all have great disdain for the city of St. Louis, which is near and dear to my heart. Except for uh, the Cardinals. Except for the Cardinals. That's right. Um We've seen last session, we saw um, an attempt for the state to take control of the St. Louis City Police Department. It looks like three state reps so far have pre-filed that legislation for this year also. Now, there's no question that St. Louis has a crime issue. Do you see that bill getting making any progress or getting across the finish line? Has anybody checked on Carla May this morning? Is she still healthy enough to stand up? Because this, the uh, very talented senator from the city of St. Louis, if Carla May still can still stand, then no, I don't. Uh, it's one of those things. Um, we want the government we vote for right out here in central Missouri. Well, you know, the city folks, they want the government they vote for. And they vote for a bunch of lawless hellscape. Uh, it is just the facts. If, if Kim Gardner could run again, if she did run again, I bet she'd win. Uh, now, we all think lines- that's crazy, but... Maybe if their lines weren't so long to to get in the polling place to vote, there might be a little bit more of a moderate government in St. Louis City. 
I think if you drive by the wines in that city, <laughs> I'm not sure. You got a lot of pink haired weirdo looking people that smell like pot. I think it'd be worse uh, on them. But, you know, I, I no, I think Carla May will, you're going to have to go through her to get that done. Uh, the Senate is not going to peak you, Carla May, in my estimation. And I, 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 I just go back to it at the end of the day. You, you, do, do you not deserve the government you vote for? And the people in the city vote for very woke, I would say almost insane policies with no help of working that have turned it into just, I mean, it's just a murder factory half the time. Uh, I, I don't get it. I don't know why anybody want to live there, but people do. And when they do, they generally vote for these things. And so I, I, it's, a, it's a conundrum to me. How long do you keep people from having, is it not better off? to let them have Kim Gardner and let it just be lawless chaos. And then maybe they'll come to their senses. Or do you try to force them? Uh, regardless, the practical politics of it, in my opinion, are it's a fine public policy discussion. Uh, I'll bet you of those three, one of those people is actually a serious lawmaker who's trying to do something real. Um, the other two probably just wanting attention. But I, I just, until you until you can sit down with a singles delegation, and convince them this is the the right way forward. I, I don't know how you force the government down those road. I mean, if the state had to take over the Jeff City Police, I mean, we'd get the guns out on the bridge, and you know, it'd be it'd be a showdown. Uh, the city of St. Louis, some of those people feel the same way. Scott, where do you come down on the potential for an official piece of legislation for the official dish of the state of Missouri, <laughs> cashew style, uh, Springfield style cashew chicken? Well, I, you know, Gussie has taken to liking Pokemon, which is sort of freaks me out a little bit. And I wonder if Greg Razor wasn't a Pokemon fan or something. And this isn't <laughs> some secret plot by the, the Asiatic people to take over America. Uh, I, I don't really like cashew chicken. I do like Asian food. Shout out to the Fuji uh, Hibachi Grill in Jefferson City. But uh, but I, I think it's a cute thing. I think it is it cashew chicken invented in Springfield. It was. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is Truman. That got, people don't know this. Greg Razor was Truman the Tiger when he was in school. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is Greg trying to be um, geographically bipartisan and do a little something for our friends out of Springfield. And I think this might be the most polarizing thing he could have done, ironically. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't like cashew chicken, but I don't really understand what the pushback is like i don't think it should be the state this they this should be like a ribeye or pork steak or something yeah. but uh but i don't really understand the cashew chicken uh controversy toasted ravioli man they, oh, you, i would say that i would say the controversy has just begun i think <laughs> oh yeah this, this morning i believe i believe that uh everybody in their areas of the state that love what they love like i said you know I'll, hey i'll take a bush burger you know either been there in columbia a long long time same griddle i mean who says you can't run a business with a uh, little wax paper little gates, little gates and sons out of kansas city gates Flo- and sons. yeah they, I, uh, yeah, that's speaking my language a lot more than cashew chicken for sure they, look i i went to missouri state in springfield uh we have there's fantastic chinese food in springfield i gotta tell you though cashew chicken just it doesn't do it for me <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm not a fan of that stuff. Although, I mean, you know, you, again, you get me down to that uh, steak and shrimp at, the, at Fuji Hibachi there in Jeff City, I'm all in. 
There you go. Missouri Times, Scott Vaughn on with us this morning on Wake Up in Missouri. Scott, always good to talk to you. We're going to get to talk a little bit more tomorrow, guys. We're going to get to tomorrow. We have a guy that played in the Cotton Bowl last time Missouri was in it. Curtis Gregory going to join us. Andrew Bailey, the attorney general, just got endorsed by Eric Schmidt. It'll be a big deal. His campaign. Moon Choi is going to join us, talk a little football, a little Mizzou. Um, Crystal Quay, the Democratic nominee for governor, and the former television uh, voice of the Cardinals, Dan McLaughlin, is going to join us tomorrow. Pretty cool. We'll see you tomorrow morning on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. But coming up next, what's up with Hannah? Watch the gang on our Facebook or YouTube channel. Find us at Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Wake up mid-Missouri, 93.9 The Eagle, 950 KWS. I'm John Marsh, 725-ish, and that means, what's up with Anna? It's actually right on time, 725. Millie Fawn would be very proud. <laughs> yeah, with, with her dad on yes. <laughs> that, that close of proximity, I knew we better be on the money or, or deal with it later. Yeah, Casey, normally when we have our chats with Scott Fawn at 710 on Monday mornings, uh, it runs a little long. Let's just put it that way. Shock. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so What's Hot with Hannah ends up being a little late, and Millie gets a little cranky with her father over that. <laughs> and I appreciate it, because for years it was never on time, and Millie started advocating for me, and there was some change that happened around here, and I appreciate that. Well, it sounds like you'll have both Scott and Millie in studio tomorrow. So we'll see who wins out (laughs) on the timeliness there. Well, there we go. The only one better at bossing Scott around than me is probably Millie. Hey, that's my girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Over the weekend, there was some high school football action that was wrapping up for the season. Uh, The championship playoff games took place in Columbia at Faroe Field over the weekend and john did you see that there was a little bit of drama over the class six title game a a little bit more than a little bit right uh yeah so the game was against a school called christian brothers cadets cbc and liberty north and liberty was uh kicking a little bit of tail it was 38 to 7 in the fourth quarter and there was a series of let's just say, unfortunate events. <laughs> and there were lots of aggressive plays being called. Um, there was four technical fouls that were handed out in the fourth quarter. And CBC's coach, with three minutes and 15 seconds left on the clock, ended up saying, you know, I think we should just quit. <laughs> let's end the game because someone is going to get really hurt. And, you know, we're down 38-7. to it's just not worth it. And the officials all got together and agreed with the coach. So the game ended three minutes early um, because there was a brawl about to happen is what it sounds like. Sound like the Missouri Senate. <laughs> like the last day of session, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit, actually, now that you say that. Oh, wow. But no, I just, I had never seen anything like that, especially in a high school game. You know, there's always big fights when we look at things like professional sports, sometimes in college. Uh, but, yeah, a brawl happening at Faroe Field between a couple high school teams was not on my bingo card for the weekend. 
You, are you saying they weren't being Christianly brotherly? <laughs> no comment. For your, for your CBC alums. For your CBC alums. I remember so back in the day, Brad can probably relate to the day, was when the Jefferson City Jays played KC Paseo, and oh. it was like we were shuttled back to the bus in no no yeah. uncertain terms. Absolutely. Off the field, run to the buses. Yeah, absolutely. Those were those were some mean games. And yeah, and I'll be honest with you, there's there were some Jay Hickman games that uh oh, yes. yeah not only on the field but in the stands it got uh a little heated so well and something cool that also happened over the weekend um at Furrow Field they always recognize the 20th anniversary of the state championship winners and this year was the 20th anniversary for my hometown the Centralia Panthers uh they won the class 3 title back in 2003 so they got to be recognized. So it was fun to see all those pictures on Facebook of all my Facebook friends getting to hang out on Faroe Field as they were getting recognized. That is pretty cool. That is nice. Hey, yeah, speaking of nice. state championships, I would be remiss today if I didn't give a shout out to the Central Rebels football team. Boo. I grew up uh, <laughs> down in the lead belt. Uh, I went to North County, not Central, but I have a lot of friends who've got nieces and nephews playing for the team. I know it was quite an upset when they yeah, who beat did they Blair beat? Oaks who a few weeks ago, yeah. uh, but they just won <laughs> the state championship in football for the first time in school history. Very cool. Nice. Senator Bill Eigel, uh, a starter in his own right. The senator, when we come back on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Deal. This is Mid-Missouri's official talk show. Wake up, Mid-Missouri. Official talk show. What does that even mean? Official? Wake up, Mid-Missouri, 93.9 The Eagle, 950 KWS. I'm John Marsh, Casey Burns, Brad Jones along with us, Hannah Producer, and Brian Housworth. And the senator is on the line. All right. We've got Senator Bill Eigel joining us this morning, candidate for Missouri's next governor. And maybe uh, one of the most, uh, one of the least popular guys with the Jeff City (laughs) establishment. Uh, Senator, thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. Did you almost say most hated? You almost said most hated guys in Jefferson City. I wear Uh, that like a badge, you know. You know, I decided I, I'd tone it down a little for, for our early morning audience here. I don't want to get kicked off the radio station my, my first appearance. So, <laughs> Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Senator, we have talked a lot about pre-filing this morning. I know you've got some legislation that you pre-filed, uh, but there's one specific area I'd like to talk about. As we're into December now, and I just got my personal property tax bill in the mail. Um, I know you've got a lot of feelings about personal property taxes, and frankly, I, I probably tend to agree with you on this subject because I get a little tired of paying rent on my car every year. So why don't why don't you tell me about your property tax proposals and how you think they'll work and impact the state of Missouri? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, here's the proposal. We're going to get rid of personal property tax. 
We're going to eliminate personal property tax, and we're going to stop charging people rent uh, for the crime of owning a car And uh, in the state of Missouri. You know, Missouri is actually just in the minority of states. Only 21 states actually still have personal property tax on vehicles and equipment. So if we want to start growing like the other big red states, Tennessee, Florida, Texas, uh, then we've got, to, we've got to get rid of these dumb ideas that we pursue in Missouri. And one of them is charging our citizens rent for the crime of owning a car. I mean, I mean Brad, Brad, I know you have been very engaged on small business issues, there is probably, there are a few things that we could do to really unleash small business owners in this state than getting rid of the personal property tax they got to pay every December 1st. When I was running a small business, uh, I know that I had had to spend thousands of dollars for my my work van in my small business. So let's let's get away from this bad tax. Let's get away from personal property tax. And I've already filed legislation, a constitutional amendment that will get rid of personal property tax. And the way it gets rid of personal property taxes, get this, get this. We're going to require some spending cuts in Jefferson City to backfill the local areas that will be losing those those funds in the first place. We're not just going to create another tax to pay for it somewhere else. We're going to use all that money that's been going down to Jefferson City for something that the people actually want. And in this case, it's getting rid of personal property tax. When I'm the governor of this state, the people of this state will have paid their last personal property tax bill on December 1st. Senator, we've heard the argument made uh, check ever since you guys brought this up, even even before that, when this was an issue. And the the thing they cycle back to is say, well, what about uh, education that gets a small amount from uh, personal property taxes that's hold harmless? What about funding fire districts and libraries and all? And your response to that? <laughs> So the value of every personal property tax bill on every citizen in every small business and every big business everywhere in Missouri is approximately $1.7 billion. Well, the budget in Jefferson City has grown by $27 billion just in the past seven years. Our general revenues, just our general revenues, the growth in our general revenues last year was $2 billion. So we have, uh, the point I always try to make is, All the problems facing the state, none of them have to do with a lack of taxpayer money going to Jefferson City or to any local area. We have plenty of money. So we can get rid of every one of those tax bills. If we just got, from a a Jefferson City perspective, if we just got rid of the $10 billion in new decision items that we added to the budget last year, we would have more than enough money for Jefferson City to reimburse the local areas after we got rid of personal property tax. But we don't do that. And that's what's frustrating about Missouri government and politicians in general. You got all these Republicans that keep talking about reducing the tax burden, but when we actually have an opportunity to do so in a very clear path to do so, i.e. there's plenty of money sitting around, we don't do it. And that's why people get frustrated with the political discussion. Senator, I've got another question for you on a different subject. Um, Last week, we saw Representative Chris Dinkins from Lesterville um, send a letter to Governor Parson urging him to not allow Missouri to take in any um, potential Palestinian refugees uh, that could have Hamas ties until they had been vetted. Uh, The governor responded, and you have been a little vocal about his response. Give us your counter argument there as to why you why you kind of agree with the representative and and your uh, how you would go about dealing with this if you were the governor. So, yeah, so Representative Dinkins basically came out and said that the governor should be aggressive in uh, leaning forward and saying that he wasn't going to accept 
refugees being resettled uh, in the state of Missouri under the new DHS program, which basically circumvents federal immigration law. In fact, our attorney general is joining the attorneys general of 19 other states uh, suing the federal government because the attorney general understands that uh, this move by DHS is illegal. Well, this is a great opportunity for Mike Parson to just come out and say, yeah, you're darn right. We're not going to let illegal immigrants into the state. I'm going to do anything that's uh, available to me under uh, Missouri Constitution, Missouri law to prevent illegal immigrants from coming into the state. It's very it's kind of we consider that low hanging fruit in the political world. But not to not to, not to miss an opportunity to give the wrong answer. Mike Parson instead says, yeah, you know what? And I'm paraphrasing. We, we, there's nothing the governor, the governor could do. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Representative Dinkins hasn't been in office long enough to really understand this issue. There's nothing I can do. My hands are tied. But we're going to have to stand back and effectively do nothing. Uh, that is precisely the answer that Missourians don't want to see. You know, we have about 51,000 illegal immigrants uh, in the state of Missouri, and the estimates of what that costs our communities is about $1,000 per household, or statewide, those 51,000 illegal immigrants are costing us $2.3 billion every single year, the Missouri taxpayer. Remember what I just said, that the value of every personal property tax bill is about $1.7 billion. Keep that in mind. So there is a very real cost, not to mention the crime that being driven by having an entirely new caste system set up uh, in our society by having some people with much less rights who have gotten here illegally that are coming into this state. That's a real, there's a moral dilemma as well as the fiscal cost. So I got to tell you, when I'm the governor of this state, I'm going to declare this this illegal immigration crisis for exactly what it is under Article Four of the Constitution, it is an invasion which will allow, which will activate the resources of the government, whether it's law enforcement or the National Guard, to make sure that if we have illegal immigrants coming into this state, then we're going to be aggressive about making sure they're not staying in our borders. So uh, I, I don't know why uh, Governor Parson wants to take a very soft. Uh, you know, vague approach to this, but that's the route he's chosen. And I think it's going to make a lot of folks around the state very, even more frustrated with the lack of leadership on his part. Senator Bill Igel on the air with us this morning on Wake Up Mid-Missouri, 874-9390, phone calls or texts. Senator, talk to us about the upcoming session. Bill filing just started on Friday. Are you optimistic, pessimistic? And you know election years as well as anybody is much, if anything, going to get accomplished at the state house. Yeah, you know, I, I, I tend to go into these these sessions with a lot of optimism. Uh, there, there's a lot of folks that are already talking about how we're going to get a lot of things done. I think that one of the first things that we're going to get done is initiative petition reform. I think that we're, you're going to see the Senate act quickly. I know that's typically not the Senate style to act quickly, uh, but I think you're going to see the Senate act quickly on initiative petition reform to get something over to the House that will likely be a concurrent majority addition to the Constitution. And then if we could get just, you know, maybe if we could just get one of those big items out of the way early, that provides a path to get several big items, even though it's an election year. You know, I actually tend to look at it as if it's an election year, what a better time for Republicans in Jefferson City City to showcase uh, all the things that they can do and all the things, all the all the measures that they have passed on behalf of the people who have sent them there with these supermajorities in the first place. So I, I like to be optimistic. And until my colleagues give me a reason to not be optimistic, uh, that's that's what we're going to do. Senator Eigel, if you had to hedge your bets on one piece of legislation making it across the finish line this session, both bodies, the House and the Senate, what would that be? Hedge my bets as in uh, what what uh, what what bill do I think will or won't make it over the finish line? 
Uh, you pick either one. I'm I'm happy to hear either option. Uh, the one that I think will make it over the finish line uh, is going to be initiative petition reform. I'm very optimistic on that one. There, uh, I think that uh, there was a lot of heat taken by our leadership team and others in the Senate Republican Caucus for not getting that done early on in session. And so I, I suspect that gets done uh, relatively quickly and smoothly uh, in spite of all the, the chatter that's coming that's surrounding that particular issue. Uh, I, things that won't get done, here's what I don't think is going to get done. Major budget reform. Uh, we talk every year about the need to get spending under control. You know, we're spending twice per person. To put in, to put in, in, in perspective how out of control our spending is in the state of Missouri, we spend twice per person in this state what the state of Florida does. And, and that's amazing given the fact that I, I'm pretty sure uh, Florida has a far more elderly population that has needs that Missouri doesn't have on its population. So I don't think, uh, I'm not optimistic necessarily that we're going to get major budget reforms that we absolutely need so that we can afford the personal property tax cuts or the income tax cuts and really make good on the claims and promises of fiscal conservatism that we go through every election cycle. Senator Bill Eigelin with us this morning on Wake Up Mid-Missouri, 93.9 The Eagle, 9.50 KWS. Senator, where do you come down on the side of things that plays pretty good in outstate Missouri but does not play well here in this company town, and that's uh, limiting or cutting the size of state government? Well, so Brian, I think you know where I stand on this. Uh, We have an enormous state government uh, for the size uh, for the size of state we have. You know, again, I'll put it in perspective a different way. A state of the state of Indiana that uh, has uh, the same, roughly the same population we have, has half as many people in their state government as we have in ours. That means that there's a really good opportunity for us to find ways. In fact, it doesn't have to come at the cost of people losing their jobs, even, believe it or not, when we reduce state government. Of the 55,000 state positions that we have right now, Five, at any given time, five to seven thousand of those positions are empty, and we're sending we're appropriating dollars to those positions anyway. Think about that. We're sending money to these departments, and then they're they're being they're they're being spent by the departments for positions that aren't even filled. And it, and I get frustrated that no one in the legislature actually takes the time to find out. Well, do we need these positions, and where is that money going? It's very frustrating for me. And I think that if we can get rid of just the waste that we have in our government, we could save tens of billions of dollars. Remember, in 2017, our state budget was $27 billion. It's $51 billion today. Does anybody around here feel like they're getting twice from their government today as they were just a couple of years ago? If, they, if that person exists, they haven't been reaching out to me. I think we could do a lot better. And when we do... We're going to be passing all those reforms uh, that other big red states are doing and Missouri is not. That's what we're missing out on. We're missing an opportunity to be a leader in these United States. We've got to implement these big policies. I've always talked about a Missouri where if we can do these big red things, you know, the, the Ron DeSantis's or the, the Greg Abbott's of the world are going to wake up one morning, turn their TVs on and say to themselves, man, look at all the great things that Missouri is doing. How do we become more like the show me state? That's the Missouri I'm talking about there. That's why I'm going around the state with a very simple saying, let's go, Missouri. We're missing out. All right. Senator Bill Eigel, candidate for Missouri governor. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks, guys. Have a great morning. Straight ahead. That would be all except for this. It's the sign of the season. Raining of iguanas. When Wake Up Mid-Missouri <laughs> continues. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. 
Thanks for making Wake Up Mid-Missouri your number one choice in the morning. And that would be all. Except for this. Well, temperature's starting to drop in Florida, and if you've ever been in South Florida this time of the year, you may see something else dropping once the seasons change. Up here in the in the great white north, trees shed their leaves. That means fall is here and winter's near. However, in Florida, as my co-host will attest, iguanas falling from trees means it's time to bust out the jackets because Ugh. when it gets cold enough, the iguanas become immobilized frozen basically and they hang out in trees so mr jones they down, fall out down they come they just they just kind of go into a little coma and they just fall out of the trees but they will tell you the conservation guys in florida say they may look dead it's best to leave them be and don't bring them into the house because once the temperature heats back up the iguana iguanas revive and will start to walk around they are not protected in florida there is no season you can humanely kill the iguanas on your property. They also said if you've killed an iguana and don't plan on eating it, it's oh. best, best to check what? your city's rules for disposing of the iguana before it goes <laughs> in the trash, as many Florida communities have fines for putting iguanas in the trash. You know what their favorite food is? What is it? Cashew chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I was just... <laughs> Boy, set us up on that. That was good, wasn't it? I've that been waiting good. all morning for that one. Yeah, but the iguanas are—they're—they're they're an intriguing species. I mean, they get pretty big. Too. They get very big, and they're. I, My I wife for, used to have a pet one. For the most part, well, we we went down. You know, Dave Baker played Meeting of the Minds. We were in Key West, and we were in the backyard, and we named him Jason. <laughs> Why he named him Jason, I have no idea. But they like to sit up on the fence, and so they'll sit up on the top of the fence, and they just kind of sit there, you know. And they eat bugs, and they eat blossoms and stuff, but but. Casey, they don't you really any, bother you. You had any encounters with them? <laughs> yeah, well, Brad and I were just talking about the iguanas in Key West and all over South Florida and how big they get. Uh, I was just thinking, man, I would hate to be walking down the street as the temperatures drop and one of those falls out of a tree and hits you on the head. Yeah. These are, I mean, we're talking small dog-sized iguanas. <laughs> I that would be unnerving. It would. To have one drop on your head would would probably cause yeah you that freaked out hurt. a little bit it would hurt yeah there's no umbrella uh iguana system that i know of that you can carry around down there and keep the uh iguanas out but key west has got a lot there's a lot of trees there's a lot of foliage and and palm trees and stuff and they do of course it doesn't get you're talking the northern part of florida you're not talking key west they, it never gets cold enough for the guanas yeah. to fall out of anything. No, you're talking there. Tallahassee and north yeah. and up that exactly. way, right? Exactly. It kind of reminds me, John, of the yeah. hamster story that I covered <laughs> a couple weeks ago in What's Hot with Hannah. Yeah, relate that real quick. Uh, basically, a TikTok podcast had gone viral because they were talking about hamsters, and a lot of people don't know that hamsters hibernate. And so they were kind of having all of these people horrified that they had maybe buried their hamsters alive growing up because they thought that their hamsters were dead when really they just got too cold and so they were sleeping really hard. Wow. Yeah. I don't, I don't think anybody cared that much if they did with an iguana, though, would they, Brett? No, I don't think so. Yeah, if I was just walking down the street minding my own business and I got hit in the head with a lizard, 
I think I would probably uh, go home and not leave my house for a while. Well, international man of mystery, State Representative Rudy Veet has been all over the <laughs> continent hunting all sorts of things over the years. Maybe Rudy will check in where he stands with the iguanas. He's up next on Wake Up Mid-Missouri.